they can prepare for Nick Bosa. Nothing wrong with that. They can even pretend that Bosa would still be a factor if he played. But that's just not the case. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll check out as well. Steelers are back on the practice field today at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. I'll be over there covering that for DK Pittsburgh Sports. Hope always that you can check out my written material over there. I'm a writer first and foremost. This stuff I just do kind of for fun, you know? Mike Tomlin had his first weekly press conference yesterday, and in that session he said that the Steelers were almost completely healthy. He acknowledged that there are a couple of players who'd been uh, held out cautiously from the Monday practice. Nate Herbig is one of those. It's that type of depth figure that he's citing. Their main guys, the Steelers' main guys, are ready to go and 100%. The 49ers... Look, I feel like I have to jump in with a disclaimer here. I'm not the team. I'm not in a position where I can look past the 49ers or take them for granted or anything like that because I'm not playing. So I can say whatever I want. And I got to tell you, if George Kittle isn't practicing and he hasn't been because of a groin injury... And groin injuries do not exactly heal quickly. And Brock Purdy has had his passing limited every single throw tracked and counted because he's coming off of elbow surgery. Oh, and by the way, their very best player and one of the best defensive players in the National Football League, Nick Bosa, isn't even in the fold. He's like not even around because of his contract dispute. But the dialogue continues in Santa Clara, California, where the 49ers both play and train, about Bosa just magically being available to run out of the tunnel Sunday at Akershire Stadium as if nothing had happened. I'm here to tell you there's a lot of... uh, I guess you could call it wishful thinking that goes into that because that's just not going to happen. I get who and what Bosa is. I also get that he hasn't practiced in anger and he hasn't been around his team since January. I'm going to repeat that. January. This was what Tomlin had to say, by the way, without anybody even bringing it up, yesterday in his press conference regarding Bosa. Yes, we are preparing for Bosa. It's it's prudent for us to assume that he is going to be there and prepare in that vein as opposed to be surprised. Uh, We were in a similar circumstance with a dynamic rusher a couple of years ago in TJ. Um, We got a deal done at the 11th hour. He showed up in the stadium and he was TJ Watt that day. And so that's what those guys do. Um, They show up and they are who they are. And and so uh, we expect him to be there. It's the prudent approach to take. And if he's going to be there, we know the type of player that he that he intends on being. And so uh, that's something to be dealt with. 
And I'll repeat, this is the right way to do this. You have nothing to gain by preparing your team, specifically your offense, and very specifically Dan Moore, for a lesser challenge. (laughs) That doesn't help anybody. It's so much more beneficial that Moore sits there all week intensely locked in on how to stop this guy. And that you schematically are prepared for it. But I'm also here to call BS on Tomlin's comparison of Bosa's situation with the one that T.J. Watt went through a couple of years ago. When T.J. was holding in, is now the operative term, as opposed to a holdout, you're in there with a team, but you don't participate in any drills that involve physical activity in which you could uh, potentially get injured. It's just a kind of a gentleman's understanding, really, between the player and the player's side and the agents and so forth and the team and management where they say, we want you around. We want you to do this. We don't want you to get hurt before the biggest payday of your life either. So take this from someone who was there. TJ was out on the field. TJ was doing stuff most of the time by himself, but during the team drills, he, like Minka Fitzpatrick a year ago, were watching what was going on, and they were watching their replacement, the player playing their position, and what they were doing. Nothing was catching them off guard. There were no surprises. The 49ers are operating with a brand new defensive coordinator. Bosa hasn't participated in any of this. And say what you want about the the rawness and the simplicity of the edge rusher position where all you basically have to tell him is to pin his ears back. It's not that simple. Not if you're facing an offense that can do some different things. Not if you're additionally responsible, as all edge rushers are, for sealing off the run to either side. And to go with, a, a again, the more uh, microscopic view on this, tell me which player on the Pittsburgh side has expended more energy toward honing his skills to the highest level they can be than more, because he just had to beat out a 14th overall pick in the draft, and he did so convincingly. He is really ready to go. Bosa isn't even around. If he were to show up today for practice, and by the way, all the reports currently out of the Bay Area suggest that the team and the player are pretty significantly apart. Ironically, Bosa's trying to get more money than what TJ got out of the Steelers. And in doing so, he might miss a head-to-head matchup, which he could, you know, kind of help his own cause in that regard. But if Bosa were to just magically show up in Santa Clara today, put on the pads and tell everybody, I here I am, I'm ready, and he were to practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that's when the San Francisco charter flight has to make the five-hour trip to Pittsburgh He gets one day to catch his breath, and I mean that literally. And there's a team that's just sitting there, firing on all cylinders, waiting for him. There's no way, there's no way that player is going to have an impact Sunday. 
See, again, I can say that. They can't. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. The law firm of Edgar Snyder & Associates has joined forces with Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett to make a difference in the community. They're supporting Connecting Champions, a local charity that asks pediatric cancer patients, what's your passion, and connects them to mentors who give these young patients an identity outside of their diagnosis. You can learn more about what Edgar Snyder and Associates and Kenny Pickett are doing in the community by visiting edgarsnyder.com slash giving back. Again, that's edgarsnyder.com slash giving back. Today's J1Q comes from Slim, and I really like this one, Slim. He says, hey, DK, what do you think about Levi Wallace? It seems like he's not talked about when it comes to the secondary or the defense as a whole. You know what, Slim? The funny thing about Levi is, and this is why I'm glad you brought this up, he could be in the top two or three possibilities for the most discussed defensive player after weeks one or two. And you know what I'm saying when I say that. Because Levi is the classic case, I think, the way this is setting up, of someone who can be scapegoated for things that go wrong on the defensive side, specifically out there at corner. Because everyone's going to want to see Joey Porter Jr. on the field. He's not going to start. He's just not. And everyone's going to love and, of course, respect, and rightly so, what Patrick Peterson's done in the NFL. So who do you pick on in that setting? Levi. Heck, who might the opponents pick on in that setting? Levi. But here's something else to consider in this same scenario. All right, Slim? If we're not talking about Levi, yeah, right, exactly. It's the same reason you don't talk about Dan Moore. If Moore is getting torched over there at left tackle, everyone's bringing it up and everyone's hooting and hollering over Broderick Jones not being the starter. If Levi was getting burned in Latrobe, even in practices, but especially in preseason games, man, that would have been a really, really big issue. Might have become issue number one, as it is. All Levi's done since he's arrived here from Buffalo, with a couple of exceptions, because there are always going to be exceptions at the corner position, at the outside corner position, because when you make a mistake, when you get beat, it's six, and it's an ugly six on your ledger, and you're the one that has to recover from it because everybody's down on you when it happens, including, if we're being honest here, sometimes your teammates. Levi did have a couple of episodes last season, including a couple of times when he got a little testy with people in my profession. He was cool with me, but I saw him not so cool with others because he was getting asked about situations that didn't go well for him. But for the most part, since he's been in Pittsburgh, haven't really heard his name much. 
and that's to his credit. I do both expect and hope that before long we'll see Porter out there. Uh, Same thing goes for Jones. That's not wishing ill to either Moore or Wallace. It's just, you know, you make big investments like that. You have high ceilings like that. You don't just want them to get involved. You need them to get involved so that your football team can raise its own ceiling. But Wallace is still there. Tip of the cap to him. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We're going to do another one of these tomorrow. 